0: All right, guys, you can have a seat. Woo! <laughs> All right. So good to have you here today. Happy Memorial Day weekend off the bat. Again, happy Pentecost to you. It's an odd thing to say. It's not really like a Hallmark greeting card, is it? But let's go with it. And uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name's David Gadini, pastor here on staff. Just thank you so much for coming here to be a part of this today. All of this past school year, starting in September, we have been going through the writings of the Apostle John. John is the last of the living apostles. By the time he writes... His gospel, the book of Revelation, and this letter called 1 John that we're going through together. And where we're picking up today is chapter 4. This is his final writing, the final legacy he has to leave knowing he is the last of the eyewitnesses. The last of those who were called by Jesus, walked with Jesus, witnessed Jesus, experienced what he taught from his own mouth. Watch the miracles was there at the empty tomb, saw him resurrected. He is the last of that generation. And what do you write when you know that people will be hanging on your words about the truth of Jesus for millennia to come? We've been looking at that letter for the past several weeks, and today we, uh, we pick up at chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4. You're more than welcome to... Uh, Turn there and follow along with me. Let me read it to you today. It's six verses long, not too many. But let's see what John has to say. He picks up the discussion and he says this. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Now you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. falsehood. Now, this happens to be one of those passages that I have always been mesmerized with ever since high school. I always kind of just like found my way there. I don't know if you have this in the way that you read the Bible, but, but do you have kind of like favorite places that you just kind of end up when you don't know what to read? Or do you have places that you just like inevitably turn to if You're just kind of flipping through going, oh, I guess I should read the Bible. What should I read today? Is is that kind of true for you? I, I find that happens for me, and it certainly happened for me a lot back then. And for whatever reason, this was a passage that I just always fell Into, I think I was fascinated with this whole idea of just like spirits and testing the spirits. And what does this mean? Who knows? Maybe I just kind of like creased my binding and it like to fall open on the pages there. I don't know. But I always ended up there. And I'll tell you, I always used to think of this as like trying to figure out, like if a ghost or an angel or a demon popped in front of you, it's like, hmm, is this from God. You know, it was like a D&D campaign lifestyle or something like that where you see this in the Bible. You see these people have these, these epiphanies. These manifestations of God will appear to them. An angel of the Lord, it'll say. Or, or God will be walking along. And Abraham's like, hey, is that God? But then Paul also warns about how the devil will masquerade as an angel of light. And I always read this passage as a way to try to kind of figure out If something like that, like poof, in my room or I'm driving and oh, you know, when you veer the car off and like, what did I just see or something like that, then I can get out and have a conversation afterwards and go, hmm, now let's see if you're really from God. Do you believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh? It's just how I read it. How about you? I have known people who have found themselves in situations that we would call exorcisms who have claimed to actually use this passage when talking with someone who, shall we say, is symptomatic to try to discern what might be moving them. And I don't want to discount any of that, but I have come to read this passage differently, and I think it's closer to what John actually Intended. I think what John is doing here is giving people a way to figure out that when someone else is talking, especially claiming to talk truth, wisdom, or even a word of the Lord, if I can put it that way, that when someone else is talking, to kind of go, how do I know if I should believe this guy or girl? Or not. That was a situation in John's day. People were claiming, as they do today, don't they? To talk in the name of the Lord. Right now, Sunday morning, in churches throughout this world, there's people standing in stages and podiums and pulpits claiming to bring a word from the Lord. You listen to radio, you watch TV, you have your favorite people on YouTube, you have your favorite podcasts. Thousands upon thousands of people claiming to bring an insight into today from the Lord. Back then, you were limited to a small few. Think about how it's exploded on the scene today. And have you ever found yourself in that place? How do I know Who I should believe. Who do I listen to? See, this is what John is getting at. Because each of you have a spirit. Call it a mind, an intellect, a will, a soul. Use whatever language you want. I'm going to use it synonymously today. But each of you have a spirit. And by that spirit, you speak. It animates you. It moves you. And by it, you speak. And without that spirit, you know what you are? A corpse. Now, if you're not speaking by your spirit, but instead by a different spirit, well, you know what we would call that? Possessed, all right? You know, red rum, red rum going on. <laughs> but Jesus says that if you are in him, you also have the spirit of God. Now, let me just take one step to the side for a moment. Have you ever thought of yourself as being someone possessed by the Spirit of God? Some of you are like, hmm, I don't like that. That that, that, that bothers me. We'll, Well, cope. I don't know what to tell you. Except that when it comes to God, He does not take control of you but cooperates with you and doesn't make you submit to his will, but comes alongside of you. Let me share with you several passages today that flesh out from the New Testament perspective what I mean. Here we go. I I got paper everywhere. I don't know where this is. Here we go. Here's from Romans chapter eight. The mind governed by the sinful nature is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. If the Spirit of God lives in you, Paul writes, you are governed by him. You are controlled by him. Here's from Jesus. He says to his disciples, on my account you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Isn't that wild? And can I ask... Have any of you ever experienced that? Maybe it's not kings and governors, but you find yourself in a conversation. And words come out of your mouth that you could not form if you had to write a paper as though your life depended on it. But it comes out naturally and easily. It's not like your head starts going 360 while you're doing it or something weird. It just kind of comes out of you. And you even step back afterwards going, like, where did that come from? Or I couldn't say that again if I tried. You ever had that experience? You know what I mean? I love it when that happens. How about this? Again, from Romans chapter 8. A little bit later, in the same way. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We, don't, we do not know what we ought to pray for. Do you, ever know not, do you ever not know what to pray for? But listen to what it says next. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. That sometimes when we speak, it's like this <sighs> Have you ever sighed deeply in God's presence, groaned in God's presence, wept in God's presence? cried out in God's presence, just, God! Or were so dried up inside that there was nothing to even express, and yet God says God's Spirit is there, translating, interpreting, interceding through those groans that words cannot express, offering a language you can't even articulate up to God. Himself, But I'm not done yet. There's more. We heard in Acts chapter 2 that when the day of Pentecost came, the believers were together in one place. And we read how this this sound, like the rushing of a violent wind, comes from heaven and fills the place. We see how there's these tongues of fire that separate and come to rest on each of them. And it says that each of them are what? Filled with the Holy Spirit, that God wants to fill you up. Up to the brim with his spirit. And what do they do? They start speaking by the spirit of God in languages they had never learned. And through it, God declares his wonders and his goodness to people who would otherwise never understand. God loves to pour his spirit upon his people to speak through them and to speak through you. God wants to speak through you. And I'll tell you this, God does speak through you. If you have the Spirit of God, God does, in fact, speak through you. And those who gather in places like this, whether you realize it or not. And all of this is predicated on what Jesus himself says In those final words, before he's about to be arrested, when he's gathered with the disciples one last time, this is John chapter 16. Let me read it to you. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is to come. Jesus saying, I'm not going to be here anymore to answer your questions, to teach you. But I'm going away and it will be better by far because when I go, I will send the Spirit on my behalf and he will guide you into all wisdom and truth. The Spirit of God is alive doing exactly that, which brings us back to John Chapter 4. And just put it up there for me and leave it on the screen, would you? In John chapter 4, where he says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test them. Because the reality is there's a lot of people who claim to speak truth And a lot of people who claim to speak by the Spirit of God but are, in fact, false prophets. Now, some do it innocently, with the best of intentions, but are speaking more out of their own desires, out of their own wisdom, out of their own proclivities, or out of the bean burrito that is doing chemical things in their brain that they shouldn't have eaten for breakfast that morning. There's others who aren't so innocent, who are looking to manipulate and deceive, maybe for their own gain, maybe for power and control, maybe for their own glory. Who knows? I'm sure the reasons are many. But it doesn't change the fact, does it, that it leaves you and me in a place going, who do I listen to? And how do I know if that's actually a word of the Lord on their lips? And I'll tell you, this problem was even greater for the people in John's day because they didn't have a New Testament to turn to. They didn't have apostles living with them. They were dependent on word of mouth and God's spirit working in their community to guide them and the occasional letter that they would receive. From a guy like Peter, or a guy like Paul, or a guy like John, hanging on every word to try to discern who should I listen to here today. This is what prophecy is all about. So many people think that prophecy is about telling the future. Like if I rub the the crystal ball or read the tarot cards or just pray enough, God is going to show me the future. And on rare occasion, God does, in fact, show his people what the future will be. I was just reading this morning the story of Joseph. Not that Joseph, the other Joseph. The one who was in Egypt. If you don't remember the story, it's great. It should be made into a movie. It was made into a musical. <laughs> you know, his, 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 his brothers hate him because he's a real, like, just arrogant, you know. And uh, they're going to kill him and that's harsh, but they sell him into slavery instead because he had dreams, and these dreams seemed to come from God, and the dreams were that he saw all of his brothers and his father and his mother bowing down to him. Can I just tell you, if that God gives you a dream that all your, your brothers and sisters and your father and mother are going to be bowing down to you, maybe don't share it with them. <laughs> and he's hauled off into slavery, and while he's in slavery, He interprets more dreams, dreams of what's to come, times of prosperity in Egypt, times of famine in Egypt. Occasionally, God does give a glimpse of the future, but it would be a mistake to equate that to prophecy. It might be a sliver of what sometimes happens in prophecy, but when the New Testament talks about prophecy, it's something so much different. It's people of God giving a word of God to guide people into the truth of God today. God is more concerned with speaking to you and how to live for him today than telling you what future path to take. And I think if we can get our eyes off worrying about what future path we should take, as important as that question might be, and shifting it instead to, God, what is it that you want me to do today? I think a lot of us would be living far more in line with the Spirit of God And devotion and obedience to him. And this is what prophecy is all about, which leaves these people going. But how do I know? How do I know who to listen to? How do I know who to believe? How do I discern and sift? All of this, of course, calls for wisdom. But John gives a litmus test. And he says this. Here's how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Now, off the bat, this litmus test should key us in on a few things. The first, I think, is this. It is not the only test. It is one among many. It is not the only test, and if you make it the only test, it is going to lead you to listen to people who will draw you to all sorts of wrong conclusions. Let me give you an example. An observant Muslim can tell you that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh from God. And they would be true in saying that. But does that mean that every word that they speak by is true as well? No, because there's many things that they say that stand in countervailance to the apostolic testimony, that, that stand in countervailance to the New Testament, that stand counter to God. So it's not the only test. It can't be the only test. Why does John use this test? Well, apparently because there were people in his community who were saying that Jesus maybe didn't come in the flesh. There was a movement that's called Gnosticism. I'm not going to go in deep to it, but Sally Roth, our deaconess here, will tell you all about it if you're interested. <laughs> It's a strange belief system, but it was a belief system that was predicated basically on this. While today people might deny that Jesus was God, then they doubted whether Jesus was human. It was a belief system that said, I don't know if he really died. I don't know if he really suffered, because I don't know if he was really human. He appeared as human, he looked like human, but so did angels of the Lord throughout the Old Testament. I bet Jesus was more like that. And he's like, wait, 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 guys, guys, they're rewriting Jesus' history here. Any spirit that acknowledges Jesus has come and the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not, no, 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 don't listen to it. It was a litmus test to the people. Of his day, and it is a litmus test for us today, but it is not the only one. Let me give you another litmus test. If the spirit by which someone is speaking is not leading you to Jesus, it is probably not a spirit worth listening to. Because fundamentally, what the Spirit of God is interested in is not giving you miraculous powers, not giving you supernatural insight, not filling you so that your emotional state is is filled with joy and boldness and peace. As much as he does all of those things, his primary job is this, to lead you to Jesus, to root your life in him, to find your perspective in him, to bring you to a place of commitment and love and obedience and faith. In him. And if the Spirit being spoken is not doing that and leading you to him, it may not be the Spirit of God at all. John gives another litmus test. Let me share this one with you. And he says this Listen to me, I know what I'm talking about. Kind of sounds arrogant on the surface, doesn't it? It's like, Okay, you said I gotta listen to you, so you must be. I mean, I mean, you could see a false prophet doing that all the time. But no, 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 peel back what John is saying. No, guys, I've been there. I was there when he appeared in that upper room and told Thomas to put his hands into his side. I mean, gross, I saw it. I was there eating fish with him on the beach. I was there at the empty tomb. I was there at the cross when he entrusted his mom into my hands. I was there when he fed the 5,000. I was there when he walked on water when we were out on the boat rowing in the lake. I was there when he healed the paralytic. I was there when he drove out the demons. I saw it. Are you going to listen to some chump who's just making stuff up saying I'm speaking by the spirit of God or are you going to listen to me? You following? You tracking? This is why we, as followers of Jesus to this day, root ourselves in what these apostles had to say. And if a spirit is speaking in contrary to anything that these apostles had to say, it might not be the spirit of God at all. Which leads me to one final thing. If the Spirit leads us to Jesus, it should, fit, it should shift our focus. It should shift our focus from in here to him. I think so many of us hunger and thirst for the presence of God, for the Spirit of God, for guidance from God. Use whatever language you like. Am I right? But I think we primarily search him, sometimes for all the wrong reasons. Should I marry that girl? Should I take that job? I have a decision to make here, and I don't know what to do, and there are stakes involved. Lord, help me. Sometimes they're big, sometimes they're little. Sometimes they revolve around things that will alter the course of our life, and sometimes it's about, God, what phone plan should I choose? And, oh, Spirit of God, if you were just here to guide me, I would know and know that I am making the right choice, which is really just a way of saying I'm making the one that's going to be best for me and make me happy. All of those things are noble. It's noble to pray that way. God wants you to pray that way. God wants you to seek him that way, but that is not primarily what the spirit is up to. No, he's far more concerned with getting your eyes off of your, shall I say, small-minded questions and rooting you into devotion and obedience and wisdom in truth of the will of God to better serve him. And I think that's what John is trying to communicate to that church back then and to our church here today. Kind of, sort of, in a way, it's what Pentecost is about. God granting his spirit guide you into the truth of who he is and relentless pursuit of him so that's good news would you agree so I want to invite someone to come on stage with me here today to talk a little bit more about this and Gnosticism I think as well Sally would you come on up and let's give Sally Roth a hand Sally is our deaconess here fellowship of faith have a seat sally Now, Sally is in a deaconess internship program, which means Sally actually has three years of school ahead of her, one down, and then she will be certified as a deaconess, to which many of you are asking, what does that mean, right? Well, diakonia is how you say serve in Greek. Here's how the story of Acts go. Pentecost happens. People come rushing, rushing to hear what the apostles are talking about. And Peter stands up and leads them to Jesus. It says 3,000 of their number are converted and come to Christ that day. It happens again. And we see the church exploding as people are being captured by the Spirit of God. And it is getting too much for the apostles to handle. So the apostles stand up and they say, you know what? Let's raise up some men among us and later, we find it's women, too, to kind of take care of the service of the church, ministering and caring for people. And this is what Sally has been doing and giving her life to. Now, Sally, I know I'm not supposed to ask this question, but I know that you're open with it. How old are you?
1: I'm 74. I'm
0: 74. Rock on. All right. So you are 74 years old, and you are literally beginning school for four years. I don't know,
1: will I make it? <laughs> <laughs>
0: we hope and pray. <laughs> what I'd like you to share today, this is not normal behavior for a 74-year-old. Why did you choose to do it?
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, because God gave me the call.
0: Okay, so. And, yeah, <laughs> hey, yeah, go, go. God, okay.
1: Pentecost, God gave me the call here. Um, yes, and uh, he wouldn't let me turn him down either. You know, it was.
0: So, so unpack that because yes. you just said two things that I think a lot of people are familiar with in phraseology, mm-hmm. but a lot of us struggle with internally. God gave you the call and God would not let you turn him down. Right. What did that mean in your context that God gave you the call?
1: The Parse call. that for us. Yes. So uh, basically I was sitting in my living room <clears throat> and uh, it's a, it's a, it's a place of peace for me. I've got a nice cross hanging up there, and you know, and um, it was a a place in my life where my grand you know my grandkids are growing. i re- I retired in two thousand nine. I'll start there. I retired from teaching in two thousand nine, so it gave me several years to play and care for my grandkids, and you know, I do all that fun stuff. And then all of a sudden my grandkids are older and don't quite need me anymore. (laughs) And I literally was sitting in my living room, like looking at my wall saying, all righty, now what am I going to do?
0: So birthed out of this place of what am I gonna do? So why didn't you start playing golf or go
1: out to eat more? (laughs) Good question. Travel. Somebody called me And I had taken that survey that you put out to all the members, Uh, I believe, and uh, I rarely do surveys, but I did that one. I don't know why, but I did. And you liked my answers. Hmm. Do you remember that? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Might want to check it out again. (laughs) (laughs) Praise (laughs) God. And you gave me a call and said, Sally, we need to talk.
0: And that is literally what it birthed out of. Absolutely. Now, you said something else. Mm Mm-hmm. I forget the exact way you put it, but like you couldn't let it go or God wouldn't let you turn from it.
1: So... What did what does that mean? It was um, first of all the application process for the seminary is tough, really, really tough. You got You have three tests that you have to take and get seventy percent, and you get three tries, and it was tough. And um, of course, I hadn't been in school in quite a while, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I' you know I'll, you get complacent to you sitting back, so you know you kind of forget a lot of stuff and and so these tests were really difficult for me, but every time I got confused or frustrated or like oh, shoot, I didn't pass that one, <laughs> what am I gonna do um god God would send me an ambulance, so to speak um i i one time I got a call from, I was ready to quit. I was ready to turn it in. First of all, my son Ben is sitting here, and he says, Mom, but the dead, it's not the deadline yet. You mean you're gonna give up before the deadline? Why'd you go, Ben? <laughs> that was one call. And um, another time, I really did not do well with the Old Testament. So, <laughs> Tell us how you really feel there, Sally. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in my Bible, the Old Testament was 1535 pages long. In my study guide was 685 pages long, or something it's like, a like that. Study guide, so you know? what do you study, you know? And it's like, oh, the the Old Testament's so confusing, and you know how? And but I they let me take it a fourth time. I still didn't pass it. <laughs> but every time I scored in the high 60s, so I figured collectively I got 100%. You're there. <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> truth be told, so um, I actually get a call from a deaconess in the, program, in the residential program at the seminary to call me and say, oh, we're so glad to have you as part of the program and, you know, really encouraging me. But the part I really loved from this was that her name was Grace. Mm. (laughs) So kind of what I'm hearing in this,
0: Sally, is that through these series of encouragements, Mm -hmm. inner convictions, little promptings, coincidences, Mm -hmm. none of which by themselves may have done it, it Cut a certain path that you it felt
1: certainly did.
0: Either a confidence, conviction, or
1: call. Yes, to Yes, absolutely. And um, I'm so glad you're following it. Me too. Me too. And uh, it's it's a tough road.
0: So tell ask, us about some of it. Okay. What are the what are the difficulties you're um, facing?
1: First of all, technology. <laughs> 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 I never wrote a paper on a computer. Um, I have my grandson Luke to thank me. He's my techno guy. Um, when I call and say, "Ha, help me!" You know, I just lost everything, and <laughs> he comes to help me. But I wouldn't be able to do it without Luke. I have a friend Kelly out there Spaulding, who read my help me write papers, and um, which you know I really haven't done in quite a few years. <clears throat> and I said. Uh, I I went to Concordia River Forest, but back then we were still carving it in rocks, so all all my papers are in a rock pile somewhere, you know.
0: (laughs) What are some of the struggles that you're facing, though, in the ministry you're doing? Sally is doing a lot of Outreach ministry, care ministry, reaching out to those here who maybe are, are, are struggling, who are sick. Can, can mm-hmm. you share maybe sure, one or two I examples? Sure, I sure can.
1: I'm not sure it's, well, yeah, it's a challenge, but I want to tell you, the people of Fellowship of Faith and anyone listening, <laughs> sorry, it is such a humbling honor <laughs> to pray for you. And um, so many of you I've, I've, re- I've replied to your prayer requests with with really deep, deep, painful circumstances and things going on in your life. I've had seventy four years of life myself with lots of things happening in my life. So a lot of stuff that you pray to me, I've experienced it, and I know the pain you're coming from. And um, I just want to tell you, it's my greatest honor to answer those prayers. (laughs) For real.
0: (laughs) So you may have alluded to this already, but tell us maybe a couple of, I don't even want to reduce it to joys, but ways that you're seeing the spirit of God work.
1: Oh my heavens! (laughs) Um, I'm going to I'm going to just take a step back to um, a conversation I had with Dr. Rockenbach at the cemetery. uh, Cemetery. That's not a bad (laughs) question. Seminary. (laughs) We had to take this big test to see our strengths and weaknesses and stuff, and the one he centered on was, um, you seem to avoid a need to change. And I said, hey, I'm, well at that time I was 73. So you're <laughs> young. I, mean, I was young, yeah. you know. I said, you know, I'm 73 years old. I've lived a lot of life. I kind of know who I am. I don't think I'm going to really make many changes. <laughs> and I think he was like, hmm. Okay, and if he's listening now, it's like this has changed me so much. I mean, um, the confidence, um, just the spirit within me, um, the care, the commitment. Um, it, it, it's it's like I said before. It's humbling. It's honoring. It's an experience I never thought I'd face. Well, you sadly, know, it's all so new and and um, it's such a wonderful thing. Just a wonderful thing. And always my when I talk to people about it, and so many of you have asked me how it's going, you know, and I'll say, oh, gosh, it's rough. (laughs) It is, but um, one thing I wanna say, too. So, um, when I'm writing papers or I'm doing each week, we have something called a journal, which is kind of our lessons and answering all our questions, all the questions and whatever. Sometimes it's pretty hard to answer. Sometimes I think it takes me four hours to answer a question, it's like, this is too much. But sometimes your, your mind is so clouded and whatever, and I realize I haven't prayed first. So I close my computer and I pray, asking God for clarity and confidence and to help me, help me with these answers. And it is what he does, just like your sermon was talking about. I can feel the warmth of the Holy Spirit cover me. And I start writing. And then when I'm done, it's like, hmm, I better write and see what I <laughs> see what I wrote. <laughs> I better read it and see what I wrote. And it's like, holy cow, where'd that come from? And it's like, yeah, Holy Spirit, that's where it came from, you know. When
0: you're brought before kings and governors and seminary professors,
1: right? Absolutely, just, yeah. and it's it's quite the experience. So one thing I just want to say for your lives is to keep your eyes and ears open because it's amazing to me that. We are so important to God that he is with us no matter what. And he's with each and every one of us if we pay attention to him. You know, it's not luck. It's not coincidence. It's not karma. It's God's presence in our life. And sometimes you have to just stop and look back and see the path that you took as zigzagged and up and down and round and round you go that God brings you to this place and uh, he knows what's best for you. <laughs> and sometimes you got to wait for him. And um, it's, that's where God wants us to be, in his presence, praising him, acknowledging him, and knowing that Jesus loved us so much that he died on that cross for us. And that we're saved because we have a God that cares about each and every one of us so much that we will be able to rejoice with him in heaven. And I look forward to that day.
0: <laughs> well, Sally, thank you so much for coming up. Thank you so much. I'd like to do one quick shout-out as Sally is, is exiting the stage, but she goes through the program together with a cohort of other women who are also pursuing that, and two of her fellow students are actually here today, meaning co-students in the program with her. We've got Terry from Michigan. We've got Amy from Ohio. Would you just stand up, maybe, and let's give them a hand, too? (laughs) One thing that I absolutely love about Sally's story is this. God's spirit is not done with you until you cease drawing breath. No matter what position of life you're in, no matter how old you are, no matter how disqualified you think you might be, God's spirit's not done with you. What is God's spirit churning in you? I am fully convinced that there are some of you here today whom God is calling in some way to step out in boldness towards him, in service towards him, maybe like Sally, maybe older than Sally, maybe not. Listen to him. And do not dismiss what the Spirit of God is leading you to because of the excuses the world likes to bring. Sally, you really are an inspiration to so many of us. Thank you again. And if you would like to have a conversation more about it, you can talk to Sally or you can come talk to me and we'll chat and we'll see where that leads and know that I will promptly forget it, but that doesn't matter because (laughs) what matters is what God's doing in you there. You know, there's one more person I want to introduce you to here today at the other spectrum of life. Someone in whom the spirit of God has taken root, grabbed hold of, and sent running towards Christ, and her name is Lexi. Lexi Ryman, you're up. Come on up, sweetie. Oh, Lexi, thank you for coming up here today. Lexi, how old are you? I'm going to let you hold that and keep it nice and close to your mouth. Eight. All right, fantastic. And Lexi is here to share with you. A commitment to Jesus that she's making and why she loves him. So, Lexi, why is Jesus important to you? Why do you love him? Because he, he crucified himself for us to be able to go to heaven when we get, die. <laughs> That's great. All right. That's right. And do you love Jesus? Yes. And do you know that he loves you? Yes. Okay, now I'm going to ask you a couple more questions. Do you believe that you're someone that sinned against God? Yes. And that you need his forgiveness? Yes. And do you believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead? Yes. And do you want new life in him? Yes. Are you going to follow him with your life and put him first? Yes. You're amazing. You're amazing. And I want to share a special Bible passage with you today and with these people who are gathered here this morning. Now, Lexi loves the David and Goliath story. I'm right on that, aren't I? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I've got a special passage that I'd like to share with you, Lexi, and it's about five verses long, right from that story. This is from 1 Samuel chapter 17, and it starts like this. David said to the Philistines, You come against me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. Now, you think we would stop there, but the rest of this is too good not to share whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give your carcasses to the vultures and the beasts of the earth and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands and lexi god has given you such a gentle soul may he give you a warrior spirit as well to stand up for jesus to be bold and courageous in him because he who lives in you oh is stronger than anything in this world so may you receive the sign of the cross upon your forehead and upon your heart and we're going to pray over you today okay okay would you pray with me lord god in heaven May your spirit descend upon Lexi. May may you fill her heart and her soul and her mind. Bless her, God. You who have begun a good work in her, bring it to completion in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may she know forevermore that it is you, God, not the powers of this world that save. And may she find her salvation, her hope, her rescue, her strength, her power, and her boldness in you. Oh, Spirit, you who have begun that work, fill her. God, we pray. Amen. And may God, who loves you, bless you and keep you. Let's give Lexi a hand. I'm take that. I'm go back to your seat. She did great, and I, and I am likewise convinced that there are some of you here today whom the Spirit of God is working in and leading to Jesus, but you are timid. You are afraid. You are holding back. And even the very thought of standing and sharing that faith with someone on a stage like this sends you running. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Those are John's words, not mine. Do not sell the Spirit's call short in your life. If Sally can do it, you can do it. If Lexi can do it, you can do it. And may they be a testimony to stir in your heart and mind what the Spirit of God is calling you to step forward in, because I promise you this, He's alive. And he is at work. God poured his spirit out once. God is pouring out his spirit still. Amen? Amen. All right, let's rise. Let's give it up one more time. Let's call the band to come up on stage. And as they prep up, I'm just going to ask you to pray with me. God in heaven, pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit on your people fill us God to the brim to full measure forgive us God when we quench it forgive us God when we diminish it ignore it callous our hearts against it and resist it forgive us God for fighting against you and yet you are the God who called Jacob who wrestled with you through the night and renamed him Israel though we wrestled through with you through a decade a lifetime or more God do not relent capture our hearts Convict us, encourage us, empower us, and move us to devotion to your son, to faith in his name, to obedience to new levels. May we live by the boldness of your spirit today. God, we ask this.
1: Amen. God bless, guys.